Welcome to Maybe Baby episode 10. It has been a rather exciting week for our podcast, hasn't it, Bodge? It certainly has, my darling. <laughs> uh, we got a rather... Oh, you never call me my darling. Please oh. don't. Why? Just Why? stop it. Fine. Uh, we got an email from Apple. That's Apple, one of the biggest companies in the world, uh, telling us they'd picked Maybe Baby as one of their best listens of 2019. Hold on. I've just got a new toy. So, yes. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you so much. There we go. Got some new sound effects. Not going to use that one yet. That's the wrong time. Um, it's been a massive pleasure to do this and also to get the recognition. But do we get a trophy? Because... I haven't won anything since primary school and I feel like a trophy would be... There's no trophy, sorry. How do you know? There's just no trophy. I've spoke to Tim... What's his face? Apple. Tim Apple. <laughs> it's lucky he works there. <laughs> Tim Apple. I've spoken to Tim Apple. Okay, no trophy. No trophy. We get a nice banner at the top of the Apple podcast thing. Yeah, I know. Well, one of their 10 best listens of 2019 is pretty special. It's pretty good. Thank you, Apple. And I'm so, so sorry there's no trophy. Would you like a hug? Go on then. Not now, though. We're recording. We'll do that afterwards. Okay. Now, since we kicked off this series, one of the most common questions we've been asked is how do you know you can even get pregnant, Kate? And it's a very good question. So I'm glad we're finally at our penultimate episode because this week we had our fertility tested and we did this in West London with Dr. Marie Wren, who is the Deputy Director at the Lister Fertility Clinic, which is part of HCA Healthcare. Please stop with the sound effects board. He's got a new mixer in front of him and it's got sound effects that are already pre-loaded on there. Yeah. That's not the right sound effect for the Lister Fertility Clinic, nor is that. <laughs> Try another. Okay. Maybe. No. I mean the birds and the bees. I don't know. Well, yeah, okay. What about this one? That's my favourite. That's like oh, a little... I love it. It's like going out into the alpine air and breathing in and you're like... Yeah, it's totally like that. It is like it's that. It's totally it? like Alpine Air. Should we get back to the episode? Shall we? So fertility clinics aren't just for those who are struggling to conceive. Even before trying, couples or individuals might have concerns about their fertility health, or you might just be keen to optimise your fertility for when the time comes. So for this episode, we did a fit for fertility test. In other words, we found out quite a lot of detail as well about my eggs and reproductive system and Bodge's sperm. My strangely headed sperm. Spoiler alert. Well, it wasn't a, wasn't a massive surprise, was it? And who better to talk us through the results and all about fertility than Dr. Dr. Wren, who's been a specialist in fertility treatment since 1987. She's published in national journals and regularly contributes to the fertility research and publications from the Lister Fertility Clinic. We'll be back after our chat with Mary. For now, let's hear what happened on our day trip to West London. So we are here with Dr. Mary Wren, who's been a specialist in fertility uh, treatment since 1987. So just a few years experience. I read that you are particularly interested in female same-sex couples, single women having sperm donation and those considering egg freezing. Which of those is the most common these days? Probably now I'm seeing an increasing number of women who are considering freezing their eggs. So these are, you know, often women in their 30s, some of them are in their 40s, who haven't met the right person yet. In these consultations, some of the women may then decide that they're actually going to try and get pregnant on their own with donated sperm. But obviously, quite a lot of women are not going to want to have a child without a partner. Mm. And that's why they're considering egg freezing. So we have definitely seen quite a substantial increase in patients who are considering this. Partly, I think, because the techniques have improved and therefore there is a more 
viable chance for these women in the future to go on and have a child. We really enjoyed the episode of All Women with Kathy Burke, which you were on. I remember uh, she's what she's a great woman. She is, isn't she? She's wonderful. Um, it was interesting to hear the stats, but can we talk about stats of women who freeze their eggs getting pregnant once they're defrosted? Is that the correct term? Do you say defrosted? Defrosted or thawed. Um, <laughs> again, I think whenever you are looking at probabilities of success, you've got to be aware that thawing out a significant number of eggs from somebody in her 20s may have a very different prognosis to thawing out a low number of eggs from somebody who froze them when she was 42. We do expect to see some eggs failing to thaw and we do see that some of the thawed eggs, just like fresh eggs, will fail to fertilise mm-hmm. because a woman is only going to go on and have a successful pregnancy if her egg has been fertilised with a good sperm because it takes obviously both a genetically perfect egg and sperm to make a genetically perfect embryo that will go on and hopefully um, implant in the uterus and, and produce a successful pregnancy. So it isn't just about the women, it's obviously going to be about their future partners. And that's what's really important for women who are freezing their eggs, that they need to know that it's a potential insurance policy that may may not give them what they want. Mm. And for many of these women, it is a decision that they would rather do this, even if it doesn't work, rather than not do anything. Because those are the only two options. You know, you go out and date, you join a dating agency, you you know, go on websites, you know, you swipe um, on Tinder. Yes, I know about all these things (laughs) because obviously I've got children um, (laughs) and it may work. Or you do nothing. Um, You hope you're going to meet somebody fantastic and you're going to go on and have a child Or you do something positive. And I think women are looking at egg freezing as a way of doing something for themselves because there certainly does seem to be a change. Why don't men want to have children? Obviously, Bodge is different. Um, But an awful lot of men... Better, you mean? (laughs) An awful lot of men don't seem to want to have children now. Or they know that they can put it on hold. I met this fabulous woman a few months ago who'd been in a relatively long-term relationship. They were talking about, you know, settling down, buying a property together. And she raised the issue of having children. And he went... God, I don't want to have kids until I'm at least in my 40s. And she looked at him, she told me, and said, but what about me? And he just looked at her and said, well, you can freeze your eggs, at which point she went sayonara and came and spoke to me about freezing her eggs, but not Not to facilitate his desire (laughs) to do all the things he selfishly wanted to do and not commit to their relationship. We talked about this before, but so many men grow up as children nowadays they don't have any responsibility so they just go well whatever works for me I'll do but also they know I mean you know I think I might have said this to Kathy if I you know if I if I was God and was kind of organizing everything I would make men's fertility drop at the same rate as women's so if you were 45 you ain't going to have kids mm. and that's great and it would certainly make you a less attractive prospect to a 27 year old girl the Rolling Stones dating would struggle, a 50 year old well they'd still be rich 
They'd still be rich. They'd still be probably be rich. richer, to be fair. With just no offspring. Yeah. That's, and that's really the interesting. difficulty, isn't it? That men know that their biological clock is not going to stop ticking. If only it were the case for us women. So obviously, freezing your eggs at a much younger age is going to give you a far greater chance. And there is a huge plethora of data to show that younger eggs work very well. And many of the um, fertility clinics in Spain and America that offer donor egg treatment run their whole programs with frozen eggs. Mm. I would dissuade a woman from freezing her eggs for a few months because she's going to get married next year. Because why would you do something potentially unnecessary and possibly disadvantageous just for a few months? But most of the women I'm seeing are thinking, cripes, I might not meet anyone for 10 years. Mm -hmm. There is the big problem at the moment in the UK, and hopefully we'll change that, that as of now, the HFEA only allows us to freeze eggs for 10 years unless it's for fertility preservation in cancer patients. So women freezing their eggs at 28, as the law stands now, have either got to use them by the time they're 38 or hypothetically export them somewhere where um, those regulations don't um, exist. Why is the law like that? I How? It's this idea that we're going to keep eggs until women are 70 and we're suddenly going to burden the NHS with large numbers of women having babies at much older age. On the practicalities of how of the egg freezing. So two questions that have come to my mind. One, where are they kept? Are they kept in this hospital? Have you got a massive freezer? Obvious, Does it look like a There's a Samsung? freezer outside. Yeah, yeah. They look like a bit like beer kegs, didn't you? In the programme, we took Cathy into the cryo room. I must have missed that bit. I think you did. They're not frozen like your peas in your freezer. Okay. So they're <laughs> frozen in liquid nitrogen. Right, okay. Uh, at extremely low temperatures. And they're frozen in tiny little straws. So you can have huge numbers of eggs in one tank. We now have two rooms. We started off just having a smaller room and now we have two larger rooms. And you have to pay rent, right? So cryopreservation for private patients... Um, you get your first year included in the cost of freezing the eggs or freezing the embryos, if you're freezing embryos, because embryos are, again, frozen in similar tanks. But after a year, then there is an annual storage fee. Typical. Kids already already taking your money before they're born. That's London, isn't it? You, it just, is. you have to rent. You can't buy. Anyway. Um, well, we're here for the Fit for Fertility test. Why is that a good idea for couples? I think... If couples are wondering whether they're going to put having children on the back burner, mm -hmm. it may be sensible for some couples to know that perhaps prioritising having children is a good idea because you can probably do everything else in life later. You can go to university when you're a mature student. You can still travel at my age. But obviously, having children for some women may be something that will be far more difficult if they delay it for a significant period of time. So what the Fit for Fertility test is aimed at is showing people whether they have any obvious problems, but whether or not having a significant delay is going to have a greater impact for that couple. So the three things that we do when we do the fertility test, we do a sperm test for the man. Again, 
It doesn't always show whether he is going to make his partner pregnant, but it would identify those men with extremely poor results. It might flag up something that was slightly less than perfect, but wouldn't necessarily say you're not going to make your partner pregnant. From the woman's perspective, the scan that we do might show abnormalities that we could talk about that might possibly impact on this woman's chances of having a successful pregnancy. Again, the scan doesn't always tell us who is going to get pregnant naturally. And the AMH blood test, which is a hormone that the ovaries produce, puts the woman into a category for her age group that if you measure AMH for women of the same age, some women's results will be below average, other women's results will be closer to average, and some women's results will be high. Again, it isn't a test that tells us who is going to be lucky because you only know that you're going to get pregnant when it happens, whether you're trying naturally or whether you're doing fertility treatment. Should we go straight into our results and see what um, see what feeling? they found? I'm nervous? very nervous, if, despite being on the fence about having children and most days believing that it will never happen. I mm. am quite nervous to, to see what you found. So... Which of the three tests do you want to talk about first? Let's go Bodges semen test. Okay. Please. Okay. Pit right. me first. Yeah. He's sweating in the I think corner I, d- there. I just want to put off my Quietly confident. Don't worry about <laughs> me. So, Don't worry. Been um, exercising, not drinking recently. <laughs> in prep. Come on. Your watch. concentration was 48 million per mil. And a acceptable semen concentration would be 15 million per mil or more. Wow. So if a man had a sperm concentration of only 1 million per mil, you would be concerned that this man might not make his partner pregnant. You always have to remember that there will be men who produce very low quantities of sperm that have made somebody pregnant, but they probably are going to be far less effective at making women pregnant than men who have very good semen parameters. There we go. Effective. So that's above average then for you? Yep, that's above average count. Congratulations. The, Thank you. Um, Percentage of sperm that are moving is, again, something that we look at. And we don't just look at the sperm that are moving because you may have sperm that are moving, but they're kind of literally just twitching. What you're really looking at is effective movement because the sperm after intercourse have obviously got a long journey to go through the woman's cervix, up the uterus, into the fallopian tube, to the egg. Looking and for the strong so swimmers. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit like a marathon rather than a sprint. And you had 45% of sperm with progressive motility. So a really good percentage of sperm that are moving fast and in a forward direction. <laughs> Look at this. And you would hope to see at least 30% of sperm with progressive motility. The last thing we look at, which is possibly the least relevant, and I think the result that often shocks men, is the percentage of sperm that have an abnormal looking shape. And a fertile man might have as many as um, 96% of sperm with an abnormal shape. And on this particular day, on this particular sample, and on that small quantity of sperm that was looked at, um, the lab said that you they could only see 2% of sperm with a normal shape. Crikey. Because you and Kate haven't actively started trying to get 
Kate pregnant, that may not be an issue. If you were the couple that had had three years of trying to conceive and the only problem that we'd identified was that the gentleman had a high percentage of sperm with poor shape, we might look at doing a more detailed assessment of the sperm and we can talk about that in a minute. But we potentially would be concerned that fertilisation of the egg might be an issue. So there's a lot of them, a good percentage are moving quickly, but they're just, most of them are weirdos. No, <laughs> just slightly more on this sample. On this sample. As I said, fertile men have very high percentages of abnormal, abnormal. looking sperm so too. That's a natural thing, yeah. yeah. It, so, it does seem to be, I think it's, it's not factory made. And therefore, there will be just if you're making homemade biscuits, they're not all perfect. It's not like cutting them with a cutter in a factory, is it? Yeah, um, is, organic free range sperm. So all in all, nothing to worry about. At this moment in time, not. But obviously, if you change your minds and you are actively trying to get pregnant and nothing happens for a period of time, yeah. you might relook at this okay. and possibly what you would discuss with a couple is whether you would do this more comprehensive test which is called a DNA fragmentation test and where couples have unexplained infertility or where we're wanting to look at the sperm in more detail a fertile man produces high percentages of sperm with low DNA damage and very low percentages of sperm with high DNA damage and that may not always be apparent just from looking at the numbers of sperm and how quickly they're moving. And so when we see men that have poor results, i.e. low percentages of sperm with low DNA damage and high percentages of sperm with high DNA damage, we know that this potentially is going to affect fertilisation and embryo development. And these would be the couples where we would definitely be looking at microinjection, which is a type of fertility treatment where in the fertility laboratory, the embryologists, the scientists who are assisting the fertilization process are going to inject sperm using an operating microscope into the egg. Shall we have a look at my results? Okay, so um, your ultrasound scan today, Kate, essentially looked normal. There was nothing that was reported as being abnormal. You had a normal looking uterus. You had no fibroids. You had no polyps. The shape of your uterus was normal. You have a nice thick uterus lining, what we call the endometrium. I've always said that. <laughs> you always go on about it. So I can't yeah. shut you up. Um, your ovaries look normal and you have what is called a corpus luteum, which is the post-ovulation cyst visible in your right ovary. So in a woman who isn't taking contraceptive pills, mm -hmm. you would expect that the woman might ovulate somewhere around the midpoint of her cycle and after ovulation, the follicle that has hopefully released the egg will then produce the corpus luteum that produces the hormones that alter the uterus lining and make it receptive to a potential embryo. Okay. And we could see that. The other thing that we could see were um, six small follicles in your left ovary and three other small follicles in your right ovary. So a total follicle number of nine. Now, that number isn't 
poor, but there may be women of your age who have a higher follicle number than you. But it's not a quality measure. It's just a quantity measure. Okay. And a woman may have lower quantity, but may get pregnant very easily because she produces a good egg and she is having sex with a man who's very fertile. And another woman may have a greater quantity, but there could be other fertility issues. She could have damaged fallopian tubes yeah. or her partner may have very poor sperm quality. I'm happy with that. No, from the scan, no abnormal features. Great. The AMH blood test was 3.77. And if we were looking at a group of women of your age, that result would fall just below the fifth centile. Now, what is, um, sorry, what does that a mean? A centile. If you were looking at IQ, the average IQ would be X. And obviously, geniuses would probably have an IQ above the 95th centile. And people who were um, far less intelligent would have an IQ below the fifth centile. So the bottom 5%. For my age... 39. What is the average number? So an average AMH at 39 might be around eight. And I'm 3.7. Yeah. But it doesn't tell us that no. you're not going to get pregnant because a woman who is actively trying may be completely oblivious to her AMH. And AMH is really only useful in... Encouraging people to get on with trying for a family, perhaps, that you wouldn't necessarily put um, having a child on the back burner for four years if you knew your AMH was low, if it was possible to have a child at that time um, because you're in a relationship. And that's why some women may be thinking about freezing their eggs because they know that their results don't mean that they're infertile, but may possibly indicate that their fertility is going to be even lower further down the line. Mm. I'm just looking at the chart here. So it does say normal, safe, um, and then reduced. I'm in the reduced part. Is that, but that's what does that mean? The, no, that means reduced response to fertility drugs if you are doing IVF. Okay, So if I took two women... I took you and your best friend. You're mm -hmm. both the same age. She happens to have an AMH, let's say, of 16. Yeah. You both did IVF and you might produce less eggs, but you might have a baby on your first IVF cycle and she might not. So it's not a quality measure. It's a quantity measure. And it's not a measure of luck. What's the typical kind of rate of decline for AMH? It drops over time. We anticipate that a woman that has a lower AMH for her age now might start the menopause a bit earlier than her best friend who has a higher AMH. Because not all women start the menopause at the same time. And obviously, does it really matter if it starts at 48 or if it starts at 43? And most of us are going to be far less likely to conceive in the years leading up to our menopause. So basically, my results say that I have a low AMH for my age. Yeah, a lower than average a AMH than for average. your age. But it doesn't tell me that you're not going to get pregnant if you are actively trying. My advice to you would be is that you perhaps... Oh, oh don't cry. No, okay. don't cry. No, don't cry. It's okay. It's okay. It's only one thing. It's okay. 
come on, take a tissue. What I would say to you is that if there is a chance that you are going to reconsider your options, don't put it on the back burner for two years. And honestly, Kate, you might be the person that I've scared if I'm allowed to say it, shitless, by telling you that you haven't got a great AMH and you go and get pregnant the first or second month. I don't actually know why I'm crying because I don't even know if I want kids. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's just worrying because if I, I worry that I'll leave it too late and then it won't happen. Because you can't ever change the decisions that you made in your past. You can only do something going forward. So I do think that... Perhaps after this conversation, you have to go away and talk about this. Yeah. And it may not change the way you proceed in life together. But if it is going to make you stop and think, that's maybe a good thing. Would there be any point in me freezing my eggs now? No. Again, why would you freeze it? The only reason a woman should freeze her eggs is because she isn't with somebody that she wants to have a baby with. Mm -hmm. Or she's in a relationship with somebody who absolutely doesn't want to have kids and she's not sure the relationship is going to last the course. So, yes, if the situation between you two was different, that you were in love, but Bodge didn't want to have kids and you were thinking, Christ, what happens if we break up? Yeah. You might want to freeze your eggs, even though you wanted to get married in case you changed your mind. Mm -hmm. But Clearly, given that Bodge is really keen to have kids, if you were going to have fertility treatment, you would freeze embryos. But because you're not infertile, none of the tests that we've done say that you're infertile. You're only infertile when you haven't got pregnant. And that's not you two. So I would perhaps suggests that is it that awful that you walk down the aisle pregnant that's me you know I'm, wow. I'm I'm the mother I'm the mother that would love to be a grandmother um you know and I how just many children do you have I've got three and so you're not a grandmother yet no how old are your children if you don't mind me asking 30 29 and 25 and the 25 year old who's a boy he is really keen to have kids is he? wow absolutely uh the 30 year old yes i think she'd like to have one too and the middle one just announced that i might become a grandmother soon to a dog Oh, <laughs> so she's going then. to look at she's going puppy looking on saturday she said to me mum your first grandson may be coming home at Christmas. Oh. Grand dog. Grand dog. <laughs> she called it grandson. So yeah. I know that she's going to be mummy to a dog if it okay. happens. Okay. Like I gather you two are. We are. Yes. It, I guess it's just the reality of getting older as well, right? That's the problem with being a woman. You have a biological clock yeah. and it eventually runs out. I know, tough, isn't it? Why is it that some couples can't conceive despite their egg and their sperm count being normal? Number one thing is that most patients have perfectly good looking embryos, which huh. doesn't always mean that they're genetically normal. So huge numbers of human embryos look perfect, but they're genetically not destined to make a pregnancy. Um, and that's why in for many patients, we might transfer two embryos and yet a woman will only have one baby. The other possible issue may be a problem with the environment where the embryo is being placed. So the kind of two big factors are that you may be producing an embryo that isn't genetically perfect 
or you may be transferring that embryo into an environment that is not conducive to uh, a successful implantation. So we have fantastic counsellors here at um, our clinic. Counselling isn't going to tell you what to do, because I think only you two can decide what you're going to do. But I think for a lot of people, it's giving them support at a difficult time. And it is a difficult time. It's a difficult time if you don't know what you should do. It's a difficult time if you worry that the decisions you're making now may come back and bite you on the bum because you're going to change your mind. It's all difficult. And obviously, for an awful lot of my patients, it's facing up to the fact that maybe they're not going to get pregnant naturally, facing up to the fact that treatment has failed or that they've got pregnant and miscarried. And I always say to patients, not because I think they need counselling, consider it. It's there. It's a free service. We have spoken about counselling, haven't we? Yeah. But then you were put off because a friend of mine told me that her friend was with a guy and she didn't want kids. He did. They went to counselling and after counselling, they broke up. They decided that it wasn't, they weren't meant to be together because um, they couldn't agree on what to do. No, do and in the what? end, they got back together um, and they haven't got a child. The reason I don't think we need counselling is because one, we talk about it quite openly. It's yeah. not like I want something and you're kind of going along with it and not wanting to do it or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And actually this this podcast has probably been our counselling. We've just got to talk to so many yeah. people about this and be so open. So I'm not sure that kind of sitting down with someone would necessarily benefit us or help us decide in any way that yeah. we can ourselves. But I do feel like we've had like mini counselling sessions with all of our guests. Maybe they don't need great. to be because no. at the end of the day, what is obviously very difficult for some people is not having anyone they can talk to. An awful lot of people feel that fertility issues are not that important. You know, you're not ill, you're not dying. You know, you've already got one child. It's not a big deal. Which and isn't true. People can be incredibly flippant yeah. and make comments that are extremely hurtful to people at any situation. What, don't you want kids? And the poor couple have just had their fifth failed IVF cycle. I mean, the things that... I hear from patients that I see the kind of feedback of the insensitive things that other people have said to them. And it's quite horrific. Yeah. And yet nobody would say, you know, how often do you have sex and is it good and how great are your (laughs) orgasms? They wouldn't ask you about that. (laughs) No. And yet they want to ask you, why don't you want kids? And when are you going to have kids? And aren't you going to have another one? And there's a lot of insensitivity around it. I do think it's changing though. On the flip side, I do think that it's just a kind of conversation piece. I don't think people mean it insensitively necessarily. But it is insensitive. And I think now times are changing where people are being more Because they wouldn't ask you about intimate details of your sex life. And if you you saw a pregnant woman, you, you definitely wouldn't say, oh, why do you want children? <laughs> that Ooh, would why be, have you done that? That would be off the mark. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's exactly the same as asking okay. somebody why they don't want children. Yeah. It is slightly odd coming in, doing what I just did <laughs> in that room with the material that there was on offer. No, um, no you were nothing through, that you've never done before. You were no, looking no. through photos of me, no? It, it was, yes, of course. Um, it was fine. Um, <laughs> but I imagine for lots of blokes, it's a bit of an issue. So... I guess, what's what's the major objection that you encounter from blokes and what would you recommend to them to just get past it? And the honest answer is, I think an awful lot of men have a massive issue going into a room and masturbating. So we do talk to gentlemen about this and whether or not it would be appropriate for them to do the sample at home and bring it in. Obviously, that's really difficult if they live an awful long way away because if we're going to 
have a good assessment of sperm, it um, shouldn't be sitting in a pot for hours and hours and hours before we see it because that may affect um, the quality of the results. Mm. Um, I'm extremely mindful of the fact that some men might have done a sample, bit of a struggle, but then they're too embarrassed to say, actually, I found that really difficult. And then on the day of their wife's treatment, she's here having her eggs collected and he goes into the room and can't perform. So I have, um, I always say to the gentleman, it is something that you should warn us because one of the things that maybe you should do, if you know that it's going to be difficult, perhaps you should freeze a sample as a backup so that we're not having a major panic, we're not prescribing Viagra to try and help you along on the day that your wife's sitting upstairs having had her eggs harvested because it's an absolute disaster if he can't perform on the day. Viagra on the day. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> So you've got, you got to stick around here. For a few, you don't want to go out and on the tube with that, do you? No, some you'd men, get arrested. Some men will produce the sample with their partner. So sometimes the wife partner is called in to be on hand, so to speak. And we even have special condoms. That, I thought you were going to say something else there. <laughs> no, we even have special condoms. <laughs> and some of the couples will actually uh, produce the sperm sample uh, through ejaculation into a special condom. And then the sample is um, secure. There's options. Produced in that special condom. Okay. Um, our Lovely um, embryologists, a lot of whom are women, have sometimes been asked by men who no. um, are worried, could they help? No. <laughs> the other no. thing, the other, the other funny story, oh, I, I remember seeing a man who looked really quite sweaty. <laughs> he thought he had to fill the pot. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was very worried that his sample didn't look very sufficient. I have to say... Because when you do it, it's a it's a big pot, and you do it. And you go, is there enough in here for them to measure? Yeah. Well, but, they need a big pot, otherwise well, it's a very yeah. small target to aim for. Isn't yes, it? that's true. It's like the gentleman who had done the job and he decided to wash his hands and he hadn't put the lid on the pot and he'd left it and it tipped into oh, the water no. and he thought, oh my God, I better rescue it. I didn't tell anyone. And water basically causes Kills. an appalling <laughs> effect on sperm. Oh, so no. the sperm were basically all totally non-motile. <laughs> You've got one per million. <laughs> no, no, he had them, but they were absolutely not moving not at all. Moving. But he didn't like to tell anyone he'd got water into the pot. Oh. You just need to not care. I think so yeah hopefully i've got one more question is there an average time it takes for women to conceive i mean how long's a piece of string there are going to be people who are pregnant the first month they're going to be people pregnant in the first year they're going to be people pregnant in the second year yeah they're going to be people who get pregnant naturally after trying for ages and having ivf that fails they eventually just you know something happens and everything's perfect mm. i don't think there's an answer to that it's the balance that you really don't want people trying for three years and assuming it's all going to be fine, who possibly should have been doing something proactive far sooner. Mm. So is there a time frame that you would recommend that a couple visit the fertility clinic if they've been trying for? Again, I think it depends on how old the woman is. Right, and okay. again, it very much depends on whether or not 
the couple know that there is possibly something in their medical history that might make it far less likely that they conceive naturally. You know, she has had major bowel surgery. It's perfectly possible that she's not going to find it easy to get pregnant because there may be a lot of um, internal scar tissue having had major surgery um, in her abdomen. He might have had a testicle removed or may have had some issues with his testicles that possibly may have affected semen quality. Um, So again, I think it's being wise. If something's happened that might possibly have had a negative effect on your chances to conceive, don't wait too long, you know. Maybe one of them has had a really nasty um, sexually transmitted infection that may have had um, disastrous consequences on their fertility. So I think it's being wise. And this assumption that I look good, I'm fit, I don't look my age, um, therefore I'm definitely going to be fertile. And my mum had a kid at 44. Your mum was lucky, perhaps. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be Mm. So I don't think there's any harm. I mean, I don't want people coming to see me who've only had sex for one month (laughs) because they're hopefully going to get pregnant on their own without ever having to have fertility treatment. But I think it's worth having the conversation. Are you going to regret having the conversation soon and being told, look, doesn't seem that there's a problem. You're hopefully going to keep on trying and it's all going to work. Or are you going to regret turning up after three years and somebody says to you, you know, X, Y and Z doesn't look good and it's a shame that you didn't get on the bandwagon of trying fertility treatment two years earlier? I've got to say, I think when we've discussed this before, and Kate, you have said, oh no, it's fine. My friend got pregnant at 42, at 43. Women can get pregnant at that age, which they can. And I always said to you, yeah, but that's not the norm. And you're like, no, 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 it can happen nowadays. It can happen. And actually, I think coming in here is really timely for us because Mm -hmm. we're now getting answers about how realistic things actually are. Yeah, I'm glad we've done it. It's explained a lot. I'm over that little emotional part now. Oh, brilliant. That, no, was, my, that was my window. I should have cracked out the special condom. <laughs> have you got any of that left? No, not the condom. <laughs> not for you two. All right, no, uh, no yeah, condoms. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> um, this was definitely the right time to come for this conversation. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next year. I'm presuming, just going back to something Bodge said earlier, there isn't anything really women can do um, to increase their chances of having a higher egg count. It's luck, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But living healthy helps. Like you just said, though. How many unhealthy people do you know that have got children? I think being healthy is good for life. Yes, true. And I think the problem is that women who get pregnant ridiculously easily don't think about the fact they're eating an awful diet and drinking a lot and smoking a lot and certainly not being healthy. Whereas a lot of infertile women feel guilty and therefore, you know, they've read all the books and they're eating really well and they're, you know, having acupuncture and they're taking supplements You know, the human race has survived feast and famine, Mm. war and awful things, and yet women have carried on reproducing. So when you look at the fact that people were having babies during the Biafran War, you know that nutrition is not absolute, good nutrition is not essential to reproduction. Yeah. But I think you don't want to feel guilty. So yes, you know, stop smoking, don't drink, shed loads of alcohol, 
and get on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Murray, thank you so much for having us here today. It's been a pleasure talking to you and really interesting, actually. Fascinating. Good. Really interesting. Wow. Um, hopefully, we don't have to see you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, that you sounds know, awful, but hopefully, we no, don't no, have no. To see you. Uh, do you know what? I think it's fantastic that people contact me to say, you know what, we got pregnant on our own without ever coming, needing to come back and see you. Isn't that great? Yeah. But well done for all the fabulous work you do here at the Listening oh, Clinic Thank you well. very much. Thank you. Yeah. And there we have it. Fertility tested. We are fit. <laughs> we are fit for fertility. That was um, an interesting experience. It really was. How did you feel about ejaculating into a cup and having your semen analysed? Do you know what? I haven't ejaculated into a cup before. So that was new. It's always good to experience new things. Uh, your mum listens to this podcast. Sorry, mum. No, do you know what? Genuinely. So I said to her, I said, mum, we're going to the fertility clinic to do an episode. And um, unexpected reaction because I said to her, I was like, mum, we're going to fertility clinic to check me. And she went, how was it? Uh, and I went, don't worry, everything's okay. She said, thank God. I was always worried. And I just thought, you were always worried about my sperm quality, mum. Yeah, because you had mumps. Yeah, I know. But still, it's weird for my mum to be like, oh, Martin, the sperm quality is poor. Bad oh, image. she wasn't worried, was she? She was just, she wants us to have kids. So she's just worried about everything, I imagine. Maybe she meant package. she was worried about me because my age. I did get told I had a low egg count for my age, which was uh, You got surprising. quite upset there, didn't you? I don't know no. if that comes across, if people can hear it, but you were, you don't cry often. You're not much of a crier. I know. I think I got upset because it made our situation very real. Like, my egg count is low. It's going to get lower. And soon I won't have a choice, will I? That'll be it. I'll be going through mm. the menopause. But that said, it hasn't scared me enough to start trying because the idea of being pregnant still terrifies me. Sorry. What was the room like? How big was it where you no, had to go my in room, and masturbate? The passion room. <laughs> it was not passionate. It was, I'm not going to lie, it was very... Um, Clinical? Yes, that's the word. What, what kind of furniture was in there? It was like a leather sofa. And you just think how many bare butts have been on that sofa. It wasn't, ple- oh. it was a bit of a vibe killer. So there's a sofa. And then so the sofa and then there's a little, um, uh, like a bedside table. And I opened it up and for some reason the only mag they had in there, and they had about four, was Escort. So it, it was, I reckon the only people who still buy porn mags are fertility clinics. How big was the cup? In like width... I'd say it was like, a, it was actually like a whiskey glass. Yeah, you're not going to fill that, are you? You're no, not, no one's no. going to fill that. What about the guy who thought he had to fill the cup and just like <laughs> wanked for 10 hours? Kira, <laughs> they're knocking. Everything all right, sir? He's just like that, <laughs> bleeding. <laughs> it hurts. Oh, they're like, oh, we're going to need help. No, it was, look, these things are never not slightly embarrassing, but it was absolutely fine. Mm. So if you're worried, you know, don't let that kind of stop you and we came away kind of feeling good because although I have a low egg count for my age everything else is tip top and I was told when I had my transvaginal scan that I was super ovulating um so when she said to me oh you're ovulating from your right hand side this month I thought okay that's great that I'm ovulating and then she moved the um instrument over to the left and she went oh you're super ovulating I said what does that mean she said two eggs are being released this month and I said does that mean what I think it means she went yes if you're trying this month the probability of you having twins would be quite high I nearly fell off the bed she ovulates from her left she ovulates from her right Kate Lawler she ovulates all night I got the song kind of like I can't sing so that doesn't help that was great thank you so much freestyling that's you ovulating out of both (laughs) 
Anyway, come on. Super ovulating. So the chances of me having twins were quite high if we'd have been trying that month. Your nightmare. I said to her, is it because I'm a twin or is it random? And she says, it's totally random. And just because you've released two eggs this month, it doesn't mean that you're super ovulating every month. Yeah. It made me think if we did ever consider trying for a baby, I'd want to go back there and make sure that I wasn't super ovulating. I don't know if we've got enough money to keep going back. No, every I don't month think we do. Yeah. Can check. you imagine? You know what? You just got to let fate take its course, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Well, on that note, that was the fertility clinic. We uh, came. <laughs> Sorry. We saw, we conquered. I couldn't resist. There you go. Yes, I got the right button. I had no idea which one I was pressing. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you're thinking about looking at your fertility, we couldn't recommend the Lister Clinic highly enough. So thank you to Dr. Mary Wren, Julia Wells, Holly Sims and HCA Healthcare for helping us with this episode. Next week, Martin! Mum, my mum, Mummy B, it's her turn. You can see <laughs> the source of all the impressions. Martin, Martin, Martin. Oh, I love it. We're going to interview Bodge's mum. Yes. Suzanne. She's got a great story, I've got to say. She's, she's been through, not been through a lot, but she's, um, her background's really interesting. And you can finally see how bad my impression is of Suzanne. Because she, she sounds nothing like I make out her to sound like. It's true though, isn't it? It's really bad. Yeah. Right. On that note, you're going out tonight and I'm going to watch the boxing. So without further ado. Peace out. Thank you. We've been Kate and Bodge. You've been amazing. Good night.